You're listening to the Judicial Watch Weekly Update with Tom Fitton. Hey everyone, Judicial Watch President Tom Fitton here with our weekly update on social media. A lot going on as always here in Washington, D.C. A big free speech fight over Twitter. I'll talk about that. What is going on with elections, not only here in the United States, but abroad? Uh, I've got an interesting report for you there. Plus, we have new documents about a Secret Service scandal involving dog biting by the president's, at least former dog, Major. So uh, an interesting report this week. Uh, First up is an important story about free speech and big tech. And if you're not on Twitter, uh, you should be following the news about what's going on on Twitter, specifically with respect to Elon Musk's bid to buy Twitter. Now, Musk is worth nearly $300 billion as a result of his uh, success with Tesla and other business ventures. And uh, he's someone who appreciates free speech. I don't know if he's a conservative in the way I'm a conservative, but he certainly isn't interested in throwing people off the Twitter platform because individuals don't conform to the leftist uh, nostrums on uh, elections or COVID or transgender extremism or whatever else the left has decided it needs to enforce uh, censorship over. And so Twitter, of course, is a left-wing company uh, that in my view has lied repeatedly to regulators, to the American people, to users, to Congress, uh, and to shareholders about its censorship policies. I know specifically I was censored and locked out of Twitter over a tweet that I had, uh, that specifically had been previously approved by Twitter as being within their rules. And then they decided it was not within their rules. And I know uh, Judicial Watch and and, um, uh, and my tweets have been uh, censored and suppressed as it relates to the elections, as it relates to COVID. It's, you know, I can't even track the number of times I've been censored and Judicial Watch has been suppressed on Twitter. Same goes for Facebook. Same goes for YouTube. And anyone who tells you this is a private affair, these are private companies and they have the rights to do that, uh, they're just whistling past the graveyard in terms of uh, the ultimate uh, accountability that is available or ought to be available to the victims of this. Uh, and to uh, and and the accountability that would be available to government regulators if they decide to enforce the laws as I think they should be enforced, which is that you can't engage in fraud. You can't tell people that you're censoring them for one reason when in fact you're doing it for political ideological reasons that are completely arbitrary and capricious. So what happened is Elon Musk has offered to buy Twitter and they made him an offer that no rational person or few rational people would refuse, uh, which is a uh, a valuation of the company well beyond its current valuation and arguably uh, far well beyond its uh, current valuation. So because the left thinks of Twitter as uh, a kind of a a key platform for which, from which to enforce their uh, censorship against their political opponents, such as Judicial Watch and people like Elon Musk and, of course, famously President Trump, who was thrown off improperly by Twitter, uh, they've gone to war against Elon Musk. You've had the Saudi Arabian, uh, one of their fronts, uh, announce that they would reject Elon Musk's um, uh, 
offer as not being appropriate because evidently this fund owns some shares in Twitter or significant shares in Twitter. Uh, and just uh, just before I came on to talk about this, it was announced that the Twitter board of directors uh, would uh, uh, we're, we're signing on to what is called a poison pill. Now, I'm not going to pretend to be, you know, Wall Street Tom here, but I know a little bit about it. And my understanding of it generally is poison pills are uh, are, are uh, a schemes. It doesn't mean they're illegal, but they're schemes. Plans by government by uh, corporations who don't like the idea of being taken over by uh, an outside investor or an inside investor, and one way to um, stall and delay or make impossible a hostile takeover is to essentially dilute the value of the shares so that it becomes significantly more difficult uh, for someone seeking to gain a majority stake, a controlling stake in a company, to do so. And that's what they're doing to Elon Musk. And the problem with doing something like that, sometimes it's successful, is that it dilutes the shareholders, uh, the value of the shareholders' assets in the company. When you make more shares uh, and devalue them, obviously uh, your, your investment um, is lessened. And when that happens, obviously the company's health is lessened. So the left is controlling Twitter's board rather than um, take this offer, which is arguably in, the be in their best business interest and the best business interests of the company and the shareholders have decided uh, they'd rather harm the company, it looks like, potentially, uh, than let Elon Musk come in, take over Twitter, use his uh, expertise and entrepreneurial skills uh, to advance the interests of the company while encouraging and promoting free speech and trying to avoid censorship wherever possible. And that's where we stand. And of course, the left media is uh, all against this. Uh, Twitter employees who are, uh, I don't know if they're all of the left, but largely of the left, they're all outraged about this. And, uh, and as I said, you had the Saudi government or government front uh, announce its opposition. And lo and behold, it's announced this uh, just a, just a few just as again as I'm coming on to talk about this that the Biden administration investigating uh, Elon Musk. So this is what's going to happen. Elon Musk is going to be treated like Trump. No rules will be followed. He won't be given the equal protection of the law that is required to for U.S. citizens. All the tools available to the government, the media, political, cultural, economic complex that is largely controlled by the left will be they will all be used against him, and they will target him to stop Elon Musk, who has this independent power because of his astonishing wealth, to break the Great Suppression. So what I've been calling it, and I've often observed that we're in the middle of the Great Suppression, where our big tech platforms, the ones that where most of the people are, now there are alternatives, but there aren't a lot of people on those alternatives yet, uh, are suppressing speech. They're censoring speech, suppressing it, vandalizing it with false statements about its validity or certainty, uh, and uh, and as a result, you have many people, I know I know there are some platforms like on YouTube, if I say something specific about the elections, I know YouTube won't will take down the video.
So I have to be careful about what I say. Now, does it mean I will never say it? No, because then we'll just, you know, we won't post it on YouTube. We'll post it somewhere else. Same thing goes on Twitter. You say the wrong thing about a certain topic, they will take you down, even though that quote wrong thing is perfectly uh, uh, appropriate to say. And it's it's wrongness only is that it goes count, it counters uh, the leftist narrative on whatever the issue is. And so Elon Musk is a deadly threat uh, to this great suppression that's being enforced on platforms like Twitter, Facebook, and Google. And so that's why they don't want him to run the company. It's not about business. It's about this, uh, this Marxist totalitarianism, which is really taking over our national discourse. And so... Uh, Judicial Watch is going to do what we ordinarily do, which is that we're going to investigate uh, the Biden administration's attack on Elon Musk. We're going to investigate to see if the Biden administration was talking to the Saudis about going after Elon Musk or opposing his uh, bid. And uh, because, again, this is not a fight about the, the business profits in Twitter. If that were the case... Uh, Twitter uh, would, there'd be no question about what Twitter would be doing in response to Elon Musk's uh, takeover uh, effort. They, they'd say, sure, this is great money. It's great money for the company. It's great money for the shareholders. But because it's about politics, uh, the economics uh, won't, won't apply here. And of course, that raises legal questions for the Twitter board, uh, because if they're doing something at odds with their fiduciary duties, uh, then, then they could be subject to litigation and, and other uh, sanctions and other investigations, at least from the federal government. But of course, it's controlled by the Biden administration. Let's put it this way. If Tesla's board did what Twitter's board did, in terms of a poison pill, similarly situated, uh, the Biden administration would be on it like uh, um, what you know, whatever metaphor you want to use, they'd be on it in a heartbeat. But here, uh, you can bet the Biden administration has probably been, and I suspect this to be the case, and we'll be investigating it. We are investigating it, colluding with Twitter's board to figure out ways to thwart Elon Musk, and you can be sure that. Uh, other government agencies are doing the same thing. Uh, at the state level, we've already highlighted how uh, state agencies uh, who uh, are organized again against conservatives because of the people who control them uh, were encouraging Twitter and getting Twitter and YouTube, which is controlled by Google and Facebook, to censor and suppress posts, including posts by me, where I was talking for Judicial Watch on factual issues related to election integrity. So I know I'm not the only victim. I know many of you are victims. And even if you don't know it, you're a victim. If you're a conservative, because they are policing content in a way that doesn't let you see things that you otherwise would see, but for the suppression. I mean, I have, a, I have a page on Facebook. We have the Judicial Watch page. I have a group, it's... Um, uh, uh, under Tom Fitton, and then I also have a page, Real Tom Fitton. And they've labeled my page, and they label posts by Judicial Watch and me of judicial, related Judicial Watch content as being, you know, COVID-related, which makes it harder to share it and which suppresses its reach. So this is material that perhaps you could have seen on Facebook, if you're on Facebook, but for this interference with our ability to get the word out to you. So that's the concern we have, and, it, and it's, really, it's really shady. 
And uh, in the meantime, this is what I suggest Elon Musk do, do, does. And, uh, and if you're a shareholder and you've got enough shares to trigger the law, you should do it too, which is a request from Twitter, a full audit and analysis and documents about its censorship policies, how they're being done. Uh, you know, the law requires shareholders gain access to certain information about business operations. Uh, Elon Musk could, should begin an investigation now as a key shareholder. I think he was number one until I guess one of the big funds um, is now number one. Uh, but, uh, you know, as someone who owns nearly 10% of the company, he has a right, obviously, to ask what's going on at Twitter with respect to this censorship push. So this is a big battle. I don't know if Elon Musk is going to win. Uh, but it's a battle worth having. It's a discussion worth having. And it exposes who's on whose side in terms of the First Amendment and free speech. And you see how quickly uh, the, de the big media has come down against Elon Musk and pretending that what he's doing is controversial because uh, he's against censorship. I mean, that's where we are with the big media. They're promoting censorship. Not of just Trump, not of just Republicans or, or uh, controversial conservatives like Alex Jones. It's everyone, of everyone. If you say the wrong things on elections, on COVID, on this, on B, on, on this crazed critical theory as it relates to race, uh, sexual identity, etc., they'll come after you. And Elon Musk... Um, God bless him. He sees what's happening and he's concerned about his country. And he's putting his money where his mouth is on this. And he's going to be viciously attacked. So uh, we're going to do what we can do. But you should be tracking this and, um, and then doing what you can do. I mean, for instance, if you're if you're a uh, uh, have investments with some of these big funds that are invested in Twitter, share your concerns. They're your assets that are being used or misused in these fights. So I encourage you to track this story carefully uh, because this is about our freedom and our ability to talk about and petition our government. And the left doesn't want that to happen. And so this is part of that battle. Uh, next up is kind of an interesting story, and it's not just interesting because, oh, who doesn't like talking about dogs? It's interesting because it highlights some of the corruption in a key government agency that people rely on to protect lives, quite literally, the Secret Service. Now, you, if you followed Judicial Watch before, you know that Judicial Watch uncovered through FOIA lawsuits and um, investigations uh, that the Biden White House had lied about the dog attacks by uh, Biden's dog, Major. Now, it's his former dog. Evidently, Major has been given away. Um, now, what had happened was there were some reports about a dog bite or two, and Jen Psaki said, oh, well, yeah, there was one minor incident, and the dog was startled, and, you know, someone got bitten, you know, but it was minor. Well, that wasn't the case. Just before that statement, there had been eight, I think eight bites in eight days or several attacks over the course of eight days. And uh, Judicial Watch uncovered that. I mean, they were really, they were lying about some simple issue like a dog bite. And uh, the issue is also, why is it that the Biden administration didn't care much, or the Biden White House, that federal 
law enforcement personnel, the Secret Service, were being injured on the job by the president's dog. Now look, we've all had dogs in a year. It's the rare human being who hasn't had an interaction with a dog. And we've all had stories, or many of us have had stories, or been aware of stories about dogs that are out of control and attack people. The major was attacking people. And he should have been nowhere near the Secret Service or any strangers, and yet it happened for months before evidently he was finally given away. And so Judicial Watch uncovered more documents showing the scandal was even worse than we knew. That, uh, you know, the Secret Service was quite upset with what Major was doing and was quite upset that Jen Psaki was misleading about it. Now, I talked to you about, I talked with you about what Saki said. Well, it was just a minor incident. Well, it wasn't minor if you're attacked by the, by the dangerous dog. In an email chain, and this is the documents that we uncovered, it was about 400 pages or so. In an email chain dated March 9th, uh, 2021, a member of the Presidential Protective Division. So this is the elite of the Secret Service. I shouldn't say they're the elite practically speaking, because who knows, you know, maybe there are some even more elite Secret Service uh, details than I know about. But obviously, the presidential protective detail is a pretty high profile position to be in. And that person expresses their anger, anger that the White House press secretary lacked candor about the dog bite incident during a press briefing. The chain begins when a fellow agent checks on the welfare of a colleague asking, you okay, someone told me you got bit. And the agent replies, yes, I got bit by major on blank and no, N-O capital, I didn't surprise the dog doing my job by being at a redacted, I guess, a post, as the press secretary just said. Now I'm pissed. Thanks for checking in. And the initial and then the agent replies, shaking my head, SMH, hope you didn't get hurt too bad. Take care. Well, can you blame the agent for being angry? He got bitten by the dog and the press secretary goes out and suggests it was no big deal. And these are the nature of the incident reports uh, because they're really quite dramatic. And I don't want to uh, I don't want to overstate them. But when you're a Secret Service agent who's charged with protecting the lives of the president of the United States, his, uh, you know, Dr. Biden, Jill Biden, his family, other White House personnel and, you know, visitors to the White House or to uh, Biden's homes in in Delaware and such. I mean, you want them to be focused on providing security. You don't want them to be worried about getting bitten and attacked by the president's dog. And it's dangerous for them and it's dangerous for the president because you've got distracted, distracted protective detail. At approximately, this is on February. So this was before Saki uh, started misleading about this. At approximately 900 hours, while working at the, uh, the AM shift for POTUS at the Wilmington, Delaware Lake House, a special agent blank was walking to relieve another special agent from a specific location. He stated that the uh, someone observed Major running at the special agent and heard him yelling at the dog. At this point, special agent blank continued to walk towards special agent blank's location, so he's going to relieve, and saw Major had turned and in uh, someone else's direction, running at high speed. At high speed. He's heard the uh, his colleague yell, Major, stop, before 
so-and-so turned around to avoid a direct attack. Upon turning, so-and-so, it's redacted these names, so it's confusing as to who's doing what here, was struck on the right thigh by the dog's mouth. Major then ran across the yard towards the opposite end of the house. The special agent was shaken from this encounter, having almost been bitten. Therefore, special agent held that the... Um, I guess they all stuck together until Major had been brought back into the residence, and he didn't seek medical attention about the incident. The report has a footnote regarding a photo taken a week under the attack showing a bruise, so he had been injured, where Major's mouth impacted uh, the guy's leg. The oval shape of the injury demonstrates the outline of the dog's closed jaws. Now, what's interesting is the Secret Service has refused to turn over any photos of the actual injuries. Uh, uh, I'm not sure why. I mean, we wouldn't know who the person is. We just see a close-up of the injury. But isn't that convenient that they don't want to turn that over? Uh, and then and again, it looks like this... Um, well, it was later that day. <laughs> I didn't notice this in the initial release. So this happened at 9 o'clock. And then at 1900 hours, while working the PM shift, um, a special agent was at the a specific location at the residence. Uh, the agent observed President Biden walk up the front to the front door with the elder family dog, Champ. Um, the special agent stated that the POTUS... Uh, did something, we don't know. After several minutes of waiting, Major failed to appear and POTUS took Champ inside, closing the door behind him. Almost immediately after the door, door had shut, the special agent observed Major running at someone else, again, full stride from the main driveway. The special agent quickly made an effort to seek shelter inside. Despite the attempt, Major intercepted the special agent and bit down on his left forearm. Could be her, I guess. The special agent quickly shook Major off. I, I think it's a man because the, the coat was, uh, was a men's coat. Uh, the special agent quickly shook Major off of his arm and once more attempted to avoid further attack. In doing so, he briefly turned ba his back on Major and the dog bit a second time on his right buttock. Fortunately, despite the two injuries, um, the special agent was able to uh, get him separate himself from the animal. Approximately 15 minutes after the attack, uh, Biden opens the front door to let Major into the residence. At this point, um, the special agent stated the dog then went inside and POTUS, I guess, did something. Uh, the special agent, shaken by the ordeal, took a relief uh, push to inspect uh, the injury, and they then finished the remainder of the shift despite the discomfort. And again, photos of the injury and photos of the damaged rain jacket. And I think we have pictures of some of the of at least one jacket or coat that was damaged uh, by the by uh, major. And uh, what's interesting is they deleted. They needed to uh, black out the size of the coat because they thought if we do the size of the coat, we could figure out who the Secret Service agent was. I don't know about you, but 
Uh, I mean, that's just silly. Uh, but it's just it's just more uh, gamesmanship to hide the information from us. Remember, all of this is not coming out because the Secret Service is being is is uh, deciding to tell the truth here, uh, and and actively or or proactively disclosing information. It's coming out because Judicial Watch sued for it in court. They were withholding these documents contrary to law, and they only released them after Judicial Watch went to federal court to get this information. Again, there's another incident report where there's a special agent in the diplomatic room of the White House, and um, he says he, uh, the dog came around the corner from the diplomatic room. He uh, locked eyes with the special agent, having been essentially, uh, I think the special agent has been around dogs reading through the redactions here, I'm guessing, his entire life. He knew from this moment of eye contact that Major, uh, with Major, that something serious was about to go down. Sure enough, Major advanced and quickened pace in the final 10 feet of distance. The dog then attempted to bite his left arm, but was only able to lock Keith on his overcoat as he stepped aside from the coat attack. Now the first lady was there and um, I guess did something to get the dog. However, the coat was torn during the altercation. Uh, and I think the president was there too, according to this report. So this is just craziness. I mean, this isn't a dog nipping someone. This is a dog that's out of control, zooming across the uh, uh, locations. Imagine being in a, in, a, in a facility like the White House and a dog attacks you after zooming at you from 10 feet away. I mean, this is a dangerous situation. Now, these individuals are armed. Maybe within their rights to shoot the dog. And they're lucky. We're all lucky that didn't come to that because who knows, you know, you could have had a, a discharge of the weapon and who knows what would have happened. It's crazy. And I could go on and on about uh, other attacks uh, involving Major here. And the other thing about this is that, um, you know, the agent who I think was attacked twice by Major, he wanted to get his coat repaired or replaced and i encourage you to look at the emails because it shows you just how crazy the secret service leadership is because their concern was a he was putting too much detail in the report because the detail was embarrassing to the bidens they didn't like the idea that he was describing the dog report in detail or the dog attack in detail and then he's filing the wrong forms, and there's this back and forth. They had the lawyers involved, the leadership of the Secret Service involved. There's other emails talking to the Secret Service agents, essentially warning them to keep their mouth closed about the dog attacks. So a dog is attacking Secret Service agents in significant ways, in a severe, in severe, you know, and severely attacking them, or severe injuries. And the Secret Service leadership is more concerned about covering it up rather than protecting the uh, agents that are um, that they're obligated to try to protect. I mean, you never want agents to get hurt in the course of their duties and responsibilities. That sometimes unfortunately happens. But when it needlessly happens, it's really outrageous. And in this case, there was a dog that was out of control and the Secret Service seemed more interested in making sure no one talked about it as opposed, as opposed to just dealing with it like adults.
and you wonder why the Secret Service is so dysfunctional, this is one good reason, or this is a good example. I mean, you've seen stories. I hope you've been following the news. Uh, the information is still breaking about how uh, uh, these two individuals, shady characters by all accounts, uh, were plying uh, Secret Service agents and officials who were in important positions in the agency with regard to protecting the president and or first lady with gifts, compromising them potentially and the agency and the security of the president of the United States. And the Secret Service didn't figure this out. I think it was a, a postal inspector who figured it out and said there's something going on here. You know, it was another law enforcement agency. I don't know if it was, the, it was probably the Postal Inspection Service. I mean, they've been a little bit out of control recently too, but they're pretty diligent though. You don't want to be on the wrong end of the Postal Inspection, inspection Service because they, they, they do what they need to do to figure things out. So the Secret Service is dysfunctional. And then you had the Biden White House lying about these dog attacks. Now, Major supposedly is with another family, and I hope the dog is doing well. I mean, and when we talk about this, it's, it's like insanity. Now, I know people are crazy about dogs, but people are afraid to insult Major as if the dog cares. The dog is dangerous. <laughs> he should have been anywhere near, you know, after two bites, after one bite, there should have been significant restrictions on the dog. After two bites, he should have been removed from the family. He, should, he really should have been removed. So this is really unacceptable. And it goes again to this issue about uh, if you lie about the little stuff, and I don't think this is as little. Everyone likes to, you know, the media, the left media and Saki, when she was called out on her, on her uh, misleading about the dog attacks, she was like, eh, you know, I'm glad you're asking about the dog as if it wasn't important that Secret Service agents and federal personnel were being um, injured by the Biden family pet. And the funny thing about the dog, uh, uh, I shouldn't say the funny thing about it. So the, the, set, the, uh, the special agent is trying to get his, his, him, get some compensation for the coat that was ruined. And uh, he finally gives up after all this back and forth, this catch 22 type of back and forth that is documented. And he says, you know what? I give up. I want, <laughs> I'm going to read it. I'm going to read it. After some deep thought and reflection, I don't believe the U.S. should be responsible for the damage to my coat as the cause was not under their control. To be compensated in this manner would essentially have the cost borne by the taxpayer, and this would be unjust. As I read the email chain below, the incident should be treated as a tort claim. I believe this is accurate, and as such, the responsibility should lie with the party responsible for the wrongdoing, i.e. tort, and that, of course, would be the dog owners. Therefore, I'd like to formally withdraw my reimbursement claim. Uh, and uh, so he suggested that the Bidens obviously are responsible for this. I don't think he's uh, sued him. These documents, as I said, show that Major was a dangerous dog and the Biden White House lied about it, placing Secret Service and other White House personnel at needless risk. And it seems the Secret Service management seemed more concerned about managing press releases than taking care of its agents. In fact, the agency is still 
withholding information, as I highlighted to you, about this mess. So I don't know what else is going to come of this. Um, let's hope that Major doesn't bite anyone else in his new home. And let's hope that uh, the Secret Service management is uh, reformed or replaced in a way that uh, protects the agents in place there. I think the agency has been dysfunctional. Uh, they've been, uh, they're, they're notorious for refusing to come clean on anything they think might be uh, politically inconvenient for their protectees. And uh, that's not the way our government's supposed to work. Uh, we run the government, not the other way around. It's our money. We have a right to figure out how it's being spent, and they can't be withholding it. And in the case of the Secret Service here, you had the Secret Service uh, uh, leadership hiding information about injuries to its members, uh, to its agents, in a way that I, I can't imagine being a Secret Service agent in this situation in terms of the loss of confidence in the leadership there. So that's not... That's not pretty in terms of uh, an agency that has a sensitive role of protecting the president and other high profile individuals, um, uh, protecting their lives uh, from, uh, you know, in order to preserve our government. So this is uh, this is an important issue, generally speaking. Another important issue is election integrity. Now, the left hates the idea of uh, anyone they like not winning. Now, you know, you understand that politically. So when someone they like doesn't win, they like to pretend there was fraud or collusion or Russia did it and things like that. And you think it's just here at home. It's also abroad. And one of the individuals abroad the left particularly hates is Viktor Orban, who is the uh, uh, leader of the, uh, the government uh, running Hungary right now. And he had an election uh, a week or two ago uh, that was of great interest to the internationalist left uh, because they hate him, because he's a conservative, uh, he uh, is conservative immigration matters, and a whole host of issues that the left is obsessed with. So because of that, he's always attacked for, you know, the way that Trump was attacked. You just imagine Orban uh, getting some of the Trump treatment uh, from the internationalist left. So there was going to be a big election. And of course, the left was pretending that uh, it was going to be a suspicious election because, again, the candidate they opposed was likely to win. Now, Judicial Watch in the past has conducted uh, uh, election monitoring projects. We've uh, observed elections here in the United States. And we saw an opportunity and took advantage of an opportunity to monitor the election in Hungary. And we sent six, uh, we had six colleagues of mine uh, go to Hungary, uh, some of whom have actually, they're all experts in the area, uh, but they previously observed elections. So they know what to look for. And we found the election to be free, fair, and clean. And, frank and frankly, more well run sometimes than elections here in the United States. The team was led by attorneys who previously worked for the Department of Justice's voting section monitoring state and federal elections in the United States. So they not only have monitored elections for Judicial Watch, but for the Justice Department. The team also included lawyers who, uh, again, who had monitored elections previously for Judicial Watch. Our representatives observed 52 precincts at 27 locations in and around Budapest. The Judicial Watch team did not observe any meaningful problems throughout the day. Despite a high national turnout approaching 70%, lines were usually brief and only rarely exceeded 15 minutes. Voter ID for everyone. 
by the way, voter ID for everyone in Hungary. The Hungarian electoral practice of including representatives of every party of any size at each voter registration desk appears to have contributed to a low controversy environment. So allowing parties to be present in the polling place helps reassure people that elections are going to be conducted fairly. In some ways, according to our report, and we have a report on this, and we'll provide a link to it below, uh, the administration of the vote was more effective and less chaotic than I, say, than, I, than I highlighted than what team members had observed in previous elections in parts of the United States. Now, of course, you know, we had to focus on certain aspects of election uh, administration in doing these observations. So our monitoring methodology emphasized ballot access, meaning the ability of citizens to easily register and cast an equal vote in an election. It particularly focused on recording specific election day problems concerning unlawful electioneering, arbitrary variations in the rules for voting, aggressive voting assistance, unusual ballot handling, voter intimidations or confrontations, and voter turnaways. Meaning voters have said, you know, well, you're not registered, you, gotta, you can't vote. And we didn't see any evidence of any of those problems. So um, now what happened is the left had swarmed Hungary. And, uh, and, and many of these observers, you can bet, were there courtesy of your tax dollars. And they were uh, more focused on criticizing the elections based on value judgments about matters like media bias, negative campaigning, campaign finance policy, and the prevalence of women candidates. So they, they think if you don't have taxpayer funding of elections, or if the media is too, you know, if you've got too much of the way of Fox News in Hungary, elections are compromised. I mean, that's the left's approach to elections. If the process is okay, well, then think of other things to complain about. And if you don't have enough women candidates that somehow invalidates the elections or suggests they're not proper. But that was the left's approach. As we said, these are matters more appropriately addressed by editorial boards, not election monitoring teams. The transnational left swarmed Hungary in order to try to create controversy about the election of their ideological opponent, Viktor Orban. By contrast, Judicial Watch's expert election observer team found virtually no issues in the conduct of the elections in Hungary. So this is a big fight there because, the, as I said, the international left, uh, you know, you think it's just about the United States. And, you know, as citizens, it is just about the United States, right? I mean, that's what we spend all, virtually all of our time doing. I think this was our first election observation team that we sent abroad. But the same gang that wants to subvert election processes here in the United States, you can bet we're out in full force in Hungary. So this isn't just uh, one country uh, that the battle is in. The fight against Western civilization, as I would call it, is all going on all over the world. Uh, and especially in the West. And so uh, Judicial Watch, I think, provided a, uh, an important alternative voice in the center of another storm, which is Hungary. Uh, the left has made Hungary a key place to, be a, uh, to attack our conservative values. And you can bet our government, uh, run by uh, the left, and that was true even under the Trump administration, was subverting and will subvert Orban's government because it's too conservative. And uh, so it was good that I'm glad Judicial Watch's team was there to provide uh, an alternative, sensible voice on the elections. And of course, Orban uh, won, I think, rather handily. And 
So uh, I'm glad Judicial Watch was there because who knows if we weren't there, there could have been fake fake news reports or observations about election fraud that hasn't panned out. Now, don't you think that just because we were over there for a little bit, we've forgotten about elections here in Washington, in America? Oh, no, we're preparing more litigation, as you know, or as you've been following, or I hope you've been following. Just a few weeks ago, uh, North Carolina, uh, we settled a lawsuit there after North Carolina did what we wanted them to do, which is to remove uh, uh, names from the rolls who were no longer eligible. And that they removed, I think, what was the number? 430,000, if I recall. Anyway, it was over 400,000 names. A remarkable victory for cleaner elections in North Carolina. And uh, then here in Maryland, I shouldn't say here in Maryland because I'm in Washington, D.C., but I can see Maryland from my window. Uh, Maryland, uh, they had an outrageous extreme gerrymander inst uh, instituted by the uh, supermajority in the Democratic legislature. We sued on behalf of voters in Maryland under state law, and the court agreed. And they went back and they changed the map to make it more appropriate under the law. So that was another big victory. And subsequent to our even our lawsuits in North Carolina, we have lawsuits in Pennsylvania that are ongoing and Colorado that are ongoing to clean up election rolls there. We've filed complaint or given warning letters essentially to jurisdictions in New York, California and Oregon, Illinois and Arkansas, because uh, in those jurisdictions in key counties, uh, they weren't removing names as they're supposed to. I mean, in all of New York City, I think they removed 10 names under the law. In fact, they should be removing hundreds and tens of tens of thousands, if not hundreds of thousands of names. So those election rolls are a mess. So we're evaluating responses and we're figuring out whether we need to sue. And you can bet uh, that we will be suing again. And this is on top of other successful lawsuits we've had for uh, cleaning elections still in California. In L.A. County, they settled with us and they're removing up to 1.6 million names from the rolls. And I think that that process should be complete in another year or two. It's a slow, it's slow. It never goes as fast as you like. Uh, but California hasn't cleaned their rolls in 20 years. So it's going to take some time to do it right. Um, and But there are other counties that we've highlighted that they still haven't done the job of cleaning their rolls, at least based on the data they've been providing the federal government. Uh, so this is a big deal. Judicial Watch uh, is, uh, I would suggest, uh, the most important group in the nation in favor of election integrity, clean elections, educating voters, educating legislators, educating the media about the need for clean elections. We do it through education and litigation. We do it through investigations and we explain what we found. Uh, and of course, uh, we're not only uh, experts nationally, but we're experts, as I'm highlighting, internationally uh, when we uh, go abroad uh, to uh, 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 to examine election processes abroad. And I can tell you that foreign uh, uh, delegations by the state, you know, brought here by the State Department have visited with Judicial Watch experts to discuss election issues as well. Uh, so uh, Judicial Watch is a leader not only here at home, but, uh, but internationally. And, you know, the left, this, the left considers all these issues their playthings, right? 
all these issues there play things. And this is why Judicial Watch's work is so important because uh, there are so few of us on the side of clean, fair elections that, uh, you know, have some rules in place that people will have confidence in, in terms of the election outcomes, because the process is seen to be at least, at least they pretend to be concerned about fraud by requiring voter ID and other certain rules. And the left is just trying to destroy all of that. And I don't know what we do or where we'd be without Judicial Watch. So we're able to do that with your support, and I encourage you to continue to support Judicial Watch as well. Before I go, I'd like to wish you uh, a happy Easter. I wish you and yours all the peace and joy of Easter. And if you're celebrating Passover, and I wish I wish you a happy Passover. There's the happy uh, circumstance of Passover and Easter uh, falling uh, along the same time. Uh, so this is, a, this is a great time uh, for those of us uh, who uh, celebrate uh, both Easter and, of course, Passover as well. So uh, we're in it together in that regard. So I wish you, I wish everyone, uh, as I said, the joy and peace uh, during this important religious time for um, tens of millions of Americans. So with that, I'll see you here, I hope, next time on the Judicial Watch Weekly Update. Thanks for listening to the Judicial Watch Weekly Update with Tom Fitton. For more information, visit www.judicialwatch.org because no one is above the law.